I've grown a lot, both obviously in the business and then my as a person in the last five years or so. And so it's 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 hard, honestly, to watch people not do that. I mean, where you watch people, and you're like, oh God, like I just I so badly want to pull you up this ladder with me, but like at some point you realize like, oh, I can't. You're just, you're going to stay wherever you want to stay on that ladder. Like I'm going to reach out for you and you can take my hand, but if you don't, if you don't climb, like you can't go anywhere. This is Show Your Business Who's Boss. Listen in on behind the scenes, unfiltered conversations with my favorite business owner friends who take charge and make their businesses work for them. Don't just be your own boss. Show your business who's boss. I'm Pia Silva. Today, I'm excited to kick off a new series I'm doing for the next month called the What's Possible series. Because sometimes when you're listening to people talk about their business successes, it can often feel so out of reach. So I'm going to be interviewing people who have had tremendous transformations in the last year or even less. And I know they have because I've watched it happen before my very eyes because I've been working with them in my higher level program, Leap. I think it'll be fun and incredibly useful to see what can really happen in a year or even less because all of this is possible for you too. Today, I'm speaking with badass business owner, Rachel Wonderland. Rachel is the owner of Dementia by Day, a dementia care consulting company that helps senior living companies take their dementia care communities and programs to the next level. She's the author of two published books with a third on the way, host of the Dementia by Day podcast, and she's known for her Dementia by Day Car Chats YouTube channel. Today, we're going to talk about topics such as when Rachel was told more than once that her business, her model, and her approach were not going to work or not professional enough, and what she did in response that built her a badass business and virtually eliminated her competition. We'll talk about how Rachel used to do duplicate work for every client because she was stuck in a trading hours for dollars mindset and how she transitioned to a hybrid model that both increased the value her clients receive while decreasing the time she needs to show up and deliver. And what it really looks like to own your brand and own your point of view even in dementia care, and the short and long-term effects that it has had on Rachel's business and her interaction with her clients. Let's find out what's possible, guys. Buckle up. Here we go. Hey, Rachel. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm great. I'm so happy to have you here. And I'm specifically excited to have you on here, Rachel, because you have made such leaps and bounds in your business since I've known you. (laughs) Yeah, like a year and a half. I mean, it's, it's remarkable what you have done in such a short amount of time. And I'm just super impressed and proud of you. And I just want to share some of your brilliance with the world because I think other business owners, I think it, it would be very inspirational to hear Thank like, you. That's yeah, an awesome. That's an awesome compliment. <laughs> I power walk listening to this podcast all the time. So hopefully in a few <laughs> weeks, I'll be able to power walk and listen to myself. <laughs> so why don't you first just tell us some background? Like you are this young, vivacious woman in dementia care. It's a little bit of a, a dissonance. <laughs> yeah. So how? What happened? <laughs> 
I've always loved working with older adults. And even when I was in college, I knew that I wanted to work with older people. I, I have a bachelor's in psychology and I have a wonderful alma mater, Mary Washington. Love that school. I took a great class called Psychology of Aging. And during that class, they were talking about gerontology. And I found out you can get a master's in gerontology, which is the study of aging. And I was like, that's what I want to do. So after I got my degree, I went right to grad school. I got a master's in gerontology. And during that time, at some point, I realized dementia was the thing. I had a couple good internships, one at Penn Memory Center in Philadelphia. And it was great. Like I had people with dementia come into my little office and I would test them for different causes of cognitive impairment. And once a week, we'd get with the doctors and everybody else on the team and look at actual brain scans. And they would point to pieces of the brain that were degrading over time. And we'd talk about the diagnoses. And I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. So it was just so, yeah, I know. It was just so clear <laughs> where, to me. Where did this come from, Rachel? I have no idea. Like, I don't know. Were you really close to your grandparents or something? Yes, I was very okay. close to my grandparents. Wow. But so my dad's parents are still with us. My mom's parents have passed away. My maternal grandmother had a glioblastoma, which is a brain cancer. And that could be considered a cause of dementia if you wanted to get real technical. Mm. But I don't, I think I already wanted to do dementia care before she passed away. So it was kind of always something that was clear to me. Like I loved aging <laughs> and I loved <laughs> like yeah, nobody like, else in the world. <laughs> no. Yeah. Like when I was 15, I was volunteering in a senior living community and one of my friends was with me. And I remember her saying to me one day, like, you're really good at this. And I said, what? And she was like talking to old people. And I said, is that a skill? And she said, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I was like, okay. She said, you should do that for a job. And I, bear in mind, we're like 15 or 16. Yeah. And I was like, how do you do that for a living? She said, I don't know. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. insightful of her. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks, Megan. I just think of when you're talking about liking talking to old people, I think that it's not because there's anything against old people. I think just people don't like to face their own mortality and their own yes. fear of aging. And you just seem to, it's like uh, you just don't have that in you. That's kind of an amazing natural thing. Yeah. When um we had to declare our majors in college and we weren't allowed to declare until we were sophomores because my alma mater was like, okay, all these freshmen are signing up for majors. They have no clue what they want to do. And then they're changing them. So I had a professor, a psych professor at the time who was like, if you want to declare psychology as your major, for the love of God, do not go into the department head's office and tell her that you want to help people. Like there are so many professions that help people. Psychology is not the only one. You better have a good reason. So I went in there and I was like, uh, she's like, okay, wh why do you want to declare a psych? And I said, I want to work with old people. And she like put her pen down and she was like, what? <laughs> I said, I want to, I want to work with old people. And she was like, uh, oh, <laughs> you're the first person that's 
ever told me that. <laughs> and we're we're still pretty close. We're still pretty close. But now, but at the time, you know, I sh- I was so intimidated and just to see this like prof- this look on her face like, "What? Who are you? What's happening? <laughs> no one ever comes in here one with a plan and right. two to say they want to work with old people. No yeah. one does that." Funny. Wow. Okay. So this is in your bones. You've always it's been meant to be yeah. since the beginning. What kind of job did you end up getting and how did you decide to stop doing that to start your own thing? Yeah. So while I was working on my master's, I I mean, like I've always had a series of, I've always worked. I've always had a job when I was a kid. And my job during graduate school was selling cars. I was a car salesperson. Oh, right. As it turns <laughs> out, that was a great experience because it really taught me about sales and like selling yourself. And like, I mean, it was nuts. Like that was the craziest job I've ever had. Paint, paint as a picture. Like what kind of, what are we talking here? Like used cars, like clunkers? Are we talking about dealers? No, no. So I was 22 and needed a job and I needed like a part-time job while I worked on my master's. And my mom was helping me job hunt. So she sent me this position. It was a part-time internet sales consultant for a Toyota dealership. I was like, oh, okay. So I applied and I went in for an interview and they were like, yeah, cool. Come in for a week of training and then you'll start on internet sales. So I did that. And then we went through a week of intense sales training. I mean, I knew nothing about cars at all. This is a Toyota dealership and they sell mostly new cars and went through a week of training And at the end of the week, they were like, okay, here's your schedule. And it was a 40-hour on-the-floor work week. And I was like, I I was supposed to do internet sales part-time. And they said, well, we changed the position, so take this or, like, get out. (laughs) I was like, okay. Yeah. So next thing you know, I'm 22, and I'm selling cars on this lot. Like, I'm on the floor. On the floor. (laughs) Yeah. It was like very much a man's world working with these guys in their 50s and 60s who've been selling cars their whole life. As it turns out, I kicked a lot of ass. Like I was really I good. I bet you did. I, I kicked bet you did. I sold, I averaged eight and a half cars a month. My best month, I think I sold 12 or 13 cars, which if you average it out is more than, is like three cars a week. And it pissed some people off, honestly. So like I definitely ran into some awkward situations because some of the guys were like, this is so cool. Yeah, you you go. But I was also living in the South and I was very mm-hmm. much in like this kind of man's world. So I definitely encountered a lot of <laughs> like ageism and sexism. And I eventually got laid off. And that was crazy because they were like, you're not here all the time. And I was like, uh, one, I am here all the time. And also I'm in grad school right now. <laughs> I'm trying to go to school. And they were like, we don't care. Whoa. <sighs> they laid you off even though you were kicking ass? Yeah. Yes. That was the beginning of a series of situations that I'd run into where someone had a personality conflict with me and decided that I was taking up too much <laughs> energy and space in the space and wanted to get rid of me. Mm. Always a woman, always Mm. a woman. Yeah. Within like 10 years of my age. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So that was unfortunate. 
after grad school, worked at a hospital, which I will not name. And that was a terrible experience. It's the worst job I've ever had in my life. But then I got another series of random little jobs. And finally, through some serious networking, and this is my first real good experience with LinkedIn, I met a woman who worked regional for Brookdale Senior Living, which at the time was one of the biggest senior living companies in the country. And we just connected somehow. We started talking and she was like, you would be so great in this field. I can see you have so much passion. I'll call you if anything opens up. And like six months later, she messages me and says, there's a position open. I think you need to apply. And at this point, I'm like 24. I have a great education, but I don't have like experience like that they want. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, though, I think this woman called up the local team and was like, you're going to hire Rachel Wonderland. I think this is what you're pretty much going to do. So I interviewed, I got the job. That ended up being a really, really awesome job. And um, that was my first time like working with people with dementia all day, every day. And that's where I started the blog, which eventually turned into my book. Ooh. Okay. That's amazing. So you had a full-time job and you started a blog. What year was this? This was 2014. 2014. Okay. What made you start a blog while working full-time? Because that is something I tell every one of my employed friends to do and nobody has taken me up on it. I love writing. I've always loved writing. So I'd already had blogs. I just had so many cool stories to share. Like I'd come home from work and I just wanted to tell everybody everything that happened because a lot of it was hilarious or just so out there, interesting. And I feel like people always had such negative react. People still have such negative reactions to senior living and to dementia Mm -hmm. care. Like, oh, it's depressing and it's this, that, the other. And I was like, no, there's so much cool shit that happens every day. And so I wanted to share these stories, like the things that residents were sharing with me or the hilarious stuff that happened. And so I started writing the little stories and it kind of quickly picked up traction. Like people were messaging me and saying like, this is cool. Like it was on Tumblr at that point. Yeah, it kind of quickly started picking up traction. And at some point, like in 2014, people were like, you should put this into a book. And after thinking about this for a while, I was like, yeah, maybe. (laughs) So I reached out to a college professor who was published with uh, Educational Press. And I said, how do I get a book published? And he was like, you have such an interesting Mm -hmm. niche. Like somebody's going to want to pick this up. Just, Just pitch it around. So I bought a book called How to Publish a Book for Dummies. Pitched Legit, the dummies book. The dummies, the dummies book. book. Yeah, it's like okay. yellow. It's like over yeah, there. yeah. And um, so I pitched my idea around, and I got a lot of nice letters back. Like I got a letter from Harvard and a letter from Yale, and they were like, "This sounds cool, but we don't really do dementia titles. Good luck." And I was like, "Okay." And I was kind of just okay with whatever happened at that point because I just wasn't really committed to. I was like, mm. "I'll oh, self-publish. Like who cares?" But Johns Hopkins got back to me, and they were like. Ooh, this sounds pretty good. Can you send us three chapters? And I was like, totally. So I wrote these chapters really quick, sent them out. And over the next like year or so, Hopkins and I just communicated. And eventually they agreed to publish my first book, which turned into then my second book, which will eventually be my third book. So 
and I ghost wrote kind of a book for some, like helped another author with a book. So I will have three and a half books with Johns Hopkins University Press by this time next year. Probably. Wow. Wow. I love that story. I think it takes a lot of guts. And I think for a lot of people, the idea of just... I mean, I can relate to some of these things, like jumping into used cars, right? Like just like, oh, I don't know anything about I did the same thing with real estate. I was like, I know nothing about this. Mm, I'll learn it. Or just like reaching out and putting yourself out there as a writer and as an expert. Mm-hmm. That's that's awesome. I mean, and look at the stuff that you've gotten from that. It was I, definitely yeah. scary. <laughs> yeah, but what's the worst thing that could happen? Right. Like I don't get published. I'll just right. I was like, well, I'll just publish it myself. Right. Yeah. And then you got three and a half books. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh-huh. Okay, so you turned into a book. Which I was three writing book deal. also while I was working full time. So pretty much the, the, the my whole first the book, book you mean? the oh. first book, mm-hmm. I wrote that every day after work. So when people like I when people tell me like, oh, I've been working on a book, I just don't have time. Right, I'm like, like no. I don't have time for your shit. <laughs> what do you mean you don't have time? Right. Like, <laughs> you, like yeah, I yeah, I came home from work every day and like sat down and just pounded out these chapters. Meanwhile, like I'm getting chapters back and I'm editing the ones they're sending back to me. I'm writing new ones. I'm sending them out. And so it's such like BS when people are like, oh, I don't have time. Like you, you well, okay. Like that's a decision. I think that you're not making time for it. hundred percent. Whatever it is. It's because you well, don't want to. Right. Well, and also you've been like this ever since I've known you. It's like, here, here, Rachel, here's some things you can do like next day. I did them. What's next? Also, this is all from a genuine passion and excitement about what you're doing. I mean, you're doing something that you have been excited to do your whole life. Yeah. I don't think you can work in dementia care unless you are passionate about it because it will burn you the hell out. Like it is, yeah. it is a lot. but. Oh, yeah. You'd asked originally about like starting my own company. So I worked at the Brookdale. I moved up to Pittsburgh. I worked at a different senior living community here. I was the dementia care director. So I kind of like took a pay up. I got some more money and I got a different level of job, but I absolutely hated it. And I was like, thank God I had a great experience at my first building because I honestly think I would have been like, Mm. I'm out. Like, I can't do this. So I found another job while I was working at that job and took that. And that was pretty good for a while. So I was another, I was a dementia care director again. This is at this point was my third building. And this is like hmm, 2016. Okay. This is like 2016. So in the span of two years, I've already worked in three different buildings and my book was coming out in November. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, everything was going fine. At some point, I started coming into conflict with my direct supervisor. I don't think that she was doing the things that she should have been doing. I was in charge of the dementia care floor. And as you can see, I'm very intense. I'm a very hard worker. I like to get shit done. And not mm-hmm. everybody likes to get, get, get shit done. So I, I tend to clash with people who don't get shit done. Actually, Very hard like, for us to work in places. I can't work in <laughs> Anybody places. who feels that way. I, yeah, me neither. I have a, and probably I have, anyone listening, right? <laughs> I mean, it's like, 
refuse. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have another good girlfriend at home who said to me one day, she said, Rachel, you're just not very good at being an employee. And I mean that in the best way possible. And I said, no, you're a hundred percent right. I'm not good because I don't like when people are telling me what to do and they don't know what they're doing. So in August of that job, I got laid off and I was, first I was upset and then I was pissed. And I'm upset. I'm crying. My now husband is my boyfriend at the time gets home. And he says to me, you're going to be fine. You always are. You're going to find something else. Don't worry about it. Let's go get some lunch. And that was like such a defining moment, you know, for me with him. Because my my ex had been so, I'd always wanted to work for myself. And my ex had been so against that. He was like, that'll never work. That's a bad idea. Like, that's stupid. You shouldn't leave something that's, you have a job. And like, Safe yeah, you don't like stable. it. Yeah, you don't like yeah. it, but just oh, stick gosh. around. <laughs> Which was also like the basis of the relationship, right? Like, I don't like it, but I'm just <laughs> sticking around. It's like, I got to get out of here. So I, he's telling me like, so my now husband is telling me like, you're going to be fine. You'll find something else. And I remember like opening my laptop and going on Monster and Indeed and that kind of stuff. And like after five or 10 minutes, I just closed the laptop. I was like, I can't do this. I can't go work in another dementia care community for somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about. I have a book coming out in a few months. I could do this job blindfolded with my hands tied behind my back better than anybody I know. I can't do this anymore. It's time to sink or swim. So I beefed up my LinkedIn, got ready for my book to come out, built my website and I just started like preparing for this thing that I wasn't a hundred percent sure what it would look like, but I was like, I'm gonna be a consultant <laughs> and I'm <laughs> gonna work with senior living companies and I'm gonna make their dementia care communities better. That's what I'm gonna do. And so I just like got ready for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you know of anyone who did something like that, that you had a sense of what it could be modeled as or not, did nobody know, do it? Really? Like no. there are other dementia care consultants, but typically they just like have a thing, like they have a program and you buy their program and you apply it. Like I really wanted to go into buildings and like help them redesign their interiors and like actually build like what we call life stations, which a good example would be like a lot of people living with dementia believe that baby dolls are real babies. So I would build like a crib and like set up baby dolls in there and like make it look like a nursery. I love doing that. It's so cool. So I wanted to do that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I have a vivid memory of being like 22 years old and we had to like during grad school interview people generally in our field and say like, what, uh, this is what I want to do. How did you get to be where you are? So I interviewed a geriatrician, which is a medical doctor that specializes in aging. And I told her, I said, I want to go into senior living buildings and I want to redesign them. And this woman scoffed at me. She was like, oh, that's not a real job and you'll never be able to do it. And I remember being like crying on the other end of the phone, like silently to myself and being like, oh my God, like, I guess, oh, this is, and I was like, or how about this? What if I just make that job exist? So I just made that job exist. And 
within, I don't know, like a couple months of me beefing up my LinkedIn and putting it on there as a dementia care consultant, a building sent me a message, like their HR director sent me a message and they were like, hey, we're like, we're north of Pittsburgh and which is where I live. And we are looking for a dementia care consultant. We have um, a new administrator and she hates our dementia care unit and she really wants somebody to come in and help us. And I was like, okay. So that was wow, really, yeah, that was like the first, because somebody literally went on LinkedIn, typed in dementia consultant, and that was like my title. And you came up. And I came up. Because there aren't many of them. Yeah. And I'm right here. So they were like, okay. (laughs) So that was my first time. And I like literally went in and designed their, it's kind of like a part-time job. I could, I didn't really know what the, yeah, what things looked like at that point, but I was doing what I wanted to do. And it was like evidence. Oh, this is definitely a thing. I can make this be a thing. I can do this thing that I have that I have in my head. Right. It, It could exist. Well, tell tell me about that gig. Like, what was the first thing? How did you even approach it since you were kind of making it up as you went along? Yeah, I went in there and the administrator was like, OK, here's the deal. <laughs> she was like, we have $10,000 to spend on this project. How long do you think this would take? And like, what would you do? So I wrote a, yeah, I wrote the traditional proposal. And but she gave you I a said, number. That's nice. I, yeah. People I don't usually do that. that. <laughs> no. And I, I said, it'll be three months and I'll come in here and I'll like help you redesign and I'll do like training and stuff like that. So that's what I did. And you said, I'll take considered. all, all 10,000. And this yeah, is what I said, I'll, I'll take right. all 10,000 <laughs> and this is what I'll do. Yeah. Right. So it was definitely like I taped it all up and like made it work. But that was the first time that I saw something like that could work. And I think it gave me a lot of, it gave me a great experience. And it also gave me that validation that I needed to go like, okay, let me next time make this a little bit more concrete, make my offering a little more concrete. And it just, as you know, over time I was like, okay, this needs to, all right, this needs to be more concrete. This needs to be more. Every time I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, I could do this better than I did it last time. I love it. Okay. So that was your first client. So then tell me a little bit about like what what did that evolve cuz when was that? That was actually like fall 2016 cuz my book was coming okay. out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so like everything was kind of happening at the same time like the book was coming out and I was working for this company and yeah. So so fall of 2017, you get your first client, your book is about to come out. So what did what did the next couple of years look like? I was running all over the place. Like I was doing a lot of things. I felt like I was juggling a lot of different balls because I wasn't 100% sure what to focus on. So I started reading a lot of like entrepreneur books and business books and podcasts. In probably 2018, I stumbled upon your book and I read it and I was yeah. Oh, okay. And I was like, okay, all right, this is a thing. Okay. So then I looked you up and I found the Badass Your Brand Bootcamp, right? And I was like, okay, I'm going to take this. And that was actually the first time that I paid for a course because I was like, oh. So that was the first time I'd really invested Aww. any money at all. <laughs> at all. I'm honored. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'll invest some money. I'll do this. And of course, 
it completely paid off, right? Because I was like, I don't know about this whole lead product thing. Like, I don't know if it's going to work. As soon as I set it up, I really started selling the crap out of these. I think it sold like eight of them within a couple months. And it's because like, but what I was doing before was like, I would do like week long engagements with people. So like a company would call me and be like, Hey, can you come down to Tennessee and train our staff and like help us do stuff? So I'd go there for three or four days and it would be super intense and I'd help them do their thing. And then I'd leave. And I was like, I feel like there's got to be like a more succinct way to to do this and to get clients. I was selling my book. I'm talk, I'm helping caregivers. I'm talking to caregivers on the phone. I was all, all over the place. So once I took the boot camp, I was like, okay, now this is something I could actually create a format for. So now finally I was like selling the lead product and then saying to people, I work in three months, six months, or one year time periods, which I, I don't remember what it was at the time. I think I had like, oh yeah, I was doing like two weeks, one month, three months. Cause I was terrified to say to somebody, mm-hmm. I would work with them for six months. I was terrified, but now it's three, six, one, and no one ever picks three. But I've had, I've worked with clients now. Like I have a client I've worked with for over a year, uh-huh. but it's because they pick the six months and they just keep repicking the six. So yeah, I started working in these like longer sections and it was it just has been so much easier because I can keep these clients and keep working with people and and I feel like I can give them so much more because I'm able to go and I include two live visits in Mm -hmm. my six months I'll spend two to three days with their teams um, and the rest of it I do from here I do from my home office and my computer and I create materials for them. I recently created a whole training platform that's all online so they can send their entire team through my online training. So before they even meet me, a bunch of their staff members have already gone through my education program. And so that has been a huge piece of it in the la- even in the last few months. So that's huge because I know that at one point you said that you used to do that live yeah. over and over again and you kind of felt like you had to because they were paying you so much money and mm-hmm. you had to show up. Like what what did you used to do before? What How were you spending your time back then when you would deliver this over and over again for each client? Yeah. So I'll get hired by the parent company and then I'll go to their locations and do meetups and trainings and stuff. So in 2018, I got hired by a, a, a company that's based out of Minnesota. And I went out there and I went and did 14 different talks and like actual standing up in front of the crowd trainings and then meetings within three days. So you did this thing 14 times. Was it 14 of the same? Each yeah. interaction, basically? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So you yeah. just did it 14 times. So yeah. you went from that, which is a lot of time, <laughs> to creating something online. Was it live or did you record this thing? So it's all recorded and it's it's on Teachable. So it's like a platform where people can actually take the course. But that's it, recorded now. You did that in the last few months. I did it in the last few months. What about yeah, before that? Weird. Oh, before that? Yeah. I just kept doing that same nonsense. Like I just kept showing up live. I was just doing everything live. Yeah. Gotcha. 
no, I was just doing everything live. Like I couldn't come up with a way to like, cause I was it's scary to put that. You're like, Oh, well, what if they don't value it as much? But as it turns out, it's way more valuable because they can put your entire staff can get training with me directly on their right. own time. So like each staff member gets five hours of dementia education directly from you me, directly right. from me. What made you think they wouldn't value it back then? I think in the beginning, it, it didn't occur to me that that it was even feasible to do it. I mean, it's it's the whole time thing, right? Where you're like, oh, well, money, money and time are are the same. And so if I'm not physically present, like I'm not worth what they're paying me, right? And that's something that I learned, you know, to get away from through you and through working with the group is going like, oh, wait a minute, even if I've delivered this same thing 150 million times before, someone else receiving that same knowledge from me, it's not diminished. It's not like it's worth less because I didn't have to go and replicate it again. It's still all of my experience. Like They're not paying for my time. They're paying for my experience. And so that's been a huge shift for me is like they're paying – me for what I bring to the table and not that I spent a billion hours. You know, right. You like did their- spend, you did spend a I billion did. hours. That's what this I did. is. <laughs> I did. I spent a billion hours being me right. and like, yeah, <laughs> I spent a lot of time figuring out how to be me and present dementia care in the way that I present it, which is different than how a lot of people do it. Yeah. Absolutely. And you did it in such a an effective way that I think a lot of people want to hop straight to the course, the the um, recorded oh, course stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah. Everybody's like, well, let me do get the course first. But but you were able to create this online learning portal after having delivered it. I mean, just that one trip, you did it 14 times. I mean, that is a lot of thought and practice in order to get it to a place where you could then just, you put a lot of effort into making this course, but you didn't, but a lot of that effort was done before delivering it live so that you could get to the place where you could really just create it and then start selling it for um, lots of money. There was someone in your podcast that I really, I really liked, and it really cracked me up because she was talking about like these fake <laughs> business owners, people who are like, "Oh, I have a business," and it's like they don't, they don't have a business. And I'm not even talking about multi-level <laughs> marketing because I can go yeah. off on that for literally ever because that's yeah, not a real business. But yeah, those definitely are. Who- <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. I really liked that because I was like, yeah, I feel that. And there are so many people who've like learned from these gurus that they're mm-hmm. supposed to like go out and make a YouTube channel and just only do that or like go and make a course. And I'm like, so you have not, you have no experience like doing selling anything in this world and you're going to go ahead and try to sell a course. Are mm-hmm. you out of your mind? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I'm glad that worked for people, you know, five, 10 years ago, but it ain't five or 10 years ago anymore. Like you can't just be some random yokel and like get on and make your course and be like, here you go. I'm selling this course for like a thousand dollars. What? Well, and and let's <laughs> specify your course too, because in the 
when people think of online courses, I think it's very different than what you're doing. I mean, we're talking about a very yeah. high level training that is going yeah. to co- corporate these big companies and they're they're ready to put, put down not a thousand dollars and not two thousand dollars. And you're welcome to share how much it is. But I know it's going to go up. Some people don't like to timestamp their pricing. Um, yeah, I don't you want to should because the pricing. proud. You should be proud of it. Let's say it's more than ten thousand dollars. So you were able to do that, though let's say, because you have built quite a reputation in this space. You've got your second and almost third book coming out. You've got tons of content, your your YouTube channel, your podcast, your blog. I mean, that's why they all pay this much money. And, and when people go straight to the course without all that stuff, it's like, well, who's going to buy a course from you? I mean, they're, they're ready to plop down that money because to work with you is quite a bit more. <laughs> right, right, right. And so when they, and the cool thing about the training portal is I'm selling it by itself. And so I had a company buy it just because they want the education, mm. but I'm also including it in my consulting packages. So I was able to increase the price of my consulting packages and say like, hey, if you buy my six month or one year program, you get access to this, which I have a company doing right now. So they're getting their whole staff trained and I'm working with their executives directly to build them a dementia care program, which is very much involved. Right. But I, I really enjoy that kind of thing. I mean, that's sure. what I wanted to get in here for. And you got to increase the price substantially because you created this once and now you're going to be able yes. to increase the price forever after. Exactly. And, and guys, if you're listening, like just want to emphasize what a brilliant strategy that is, but it's, and, and you kind of did it dual. You use the strategy in two ways because you're also selling it by itself. But creating it as part of the service you deliver in order to increase the value so you can increase the price, but you don't increase your time is a great first step that might eventually turn into your course that works by itself if you build authority and stuff. I mean, I think you just did it in such a smart way. But I have to re-emphasize the fact that you have put a tremendous amount of time and effort into creating content that shows you as that authority um, as well. Yeah. I have, I always feel like kind of bad because I have these um, people reach out to me who are like, Rachel, I I found your work and I just, I love it. And and you're cool. And I want to be like you. How do I be a dementia care consultant (laughs) like, like you, Rachel? And it's so, it just really trips me out because it's it's very funny because I'm like I I get it like I felt that way when I was a lot of times I, it's weird to say this but when I was their age because a lot of times I have like like people in their super early twenties reaching out to me and now I'm in my early thirties and I and I and I made I recorded myself like essentially doing an interview with myself of how I got started and what I'm doing but in there I tell them because people ask me and they email me like, can we talk on the phone? And I'm like, no, (laughs) like I, if I talked on the phone to everybody who wanted to, first of all, I hate the sentence, pick your brain. I think it is so (laughs) nasty and it really makes me squirm. But when people are like, oh, can I like pick your brain about this thing? I'm like, no. And that is something I've also gotten from you and from the group and been like, no, I need to value (laughs) my time. No. Um, But I do send them an email with my pre-recorded like interview of myself. And I say, check this out. I hope it helps you. And in there, I pretty much say, look, what I've done is not super replicable because I've had a series of very specific things that I've done. I've gotten a master's in gerontology. I've had books published with Johns Hopkins. Like I started the blog. I've blah, blah, blah. Like 
I don't know how to tell people how to be me. A business owner. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, like to how, build an like, empire. Yeah. I don't know how to tell you to do a that. Like, steps. I, it's a million and a half steps. And people would want to jump in and like make an LLC and be like, nailed it. Like I have a yeah. business now because I have a limited liability company stamp on it. And it's like, that's not oh business. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. maybe they're your future employees. <laughs> Making this is how yeah. you, you build yeah, your I think, empire sideways. Well, and there's a difference. Like, I really appreciate the people who reach out to me and they're just like, I really want to work in this field, Rachel. What's the best way to get started? That's great. That's a great question. I'm happy to like send you my little clip and, and help you. Mm -hmm. The difference is the people who are like, even if they're not in my field directly, but they're like, oh, I have a business and they're telling you about it. And you're like, this is not, this is not mm -hmm. a thing. Like I <laughs> hate, hate when people aren't real with themselves and with others. I can't handle like delusion. So it's very difficult for me. Yeah. Sometimes people want to talk to me about their businesses and five, 10 minutes into the conversation, you're like, oh, <laughs> You, yeah, you're so early. That's We're I think on the same page. Stage. I think it's just a stage for a lot of people. It's called your early twenties in some ways, <laughs> or it's it's before you've done some stuff. I mean, it's yeah, right? yeah. But I was very yeah. starry eyed at 22 about some business I was going to start. I knew nothing about oh, right, it. So but, nothing. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know where to start. <laughs> no, and so was I. But I'm talking like people who are not in their twenties. Like okay. <laughs> you know, when you talk to people in, like their thirties or forties, and they're like, right. I have now business. it's time to step you know, up. Right, 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 right. All right. It's time to, okay. It's, it's well, time to get serious. <laughs> well, so speaking of free information, so you get contacted a lot by people who work, who want to work in your field and they mm -hmm. want to pick your brain about that. But you're also, no. I was going to say, you're in a, in a field where you have a lot of information. There's a lot of people out there. I know mm -hmm always asking you for your time or your information. And mm -hmm. at least before, I know it used to be kind of tough. It's a hard for a lot of people to respond to those, pick your brain, or can I just have a call with you because I have a family member with dementia? What kind of stuff have you been asked for over the years? Yeah, a lot of times it's people who want to either ask me about starting a business in this world, or they have a loved one with dementia and they want to talk to me. So I built things around this, like I built kind of walls around myself that kind of insulate me a little bit mm -hmm. so that I don't get, I guess, like empathy stuck because it is such an empathetic field where someone's like, yeah. I, my mom, blah, blah, blah. Like if I run into somebody and the best example is I do improv comedy and I'm fairly, I'm a... Uh, a fairly well-known because I'm in a fairly small city for comedy and I do an improv and dementia workshop. So people know who I am and I've been doing improv here for, for five years. So people will come up to me in like the green room and be like, Hey, Rachel, like I know you work in dementia care. Can I ask you about my so-and-so? And I'm so happy to do that. They're seeing me in person. They want to ask me a question. I'm more than happy to chat. It's when I get a message on Facebook from somebody I haven't talked to in like a billion years and they're like hey Rachel and they list me like 
a huge series, like a paragraph, paragraph, or I'll get an email from somebody who reads my blog and it's like three paragraphs that they want me to read and respond to. And that to me is honestly really disrespectful of my time and my energy. So I created, I used to respond. I used to like write up these huge responses. And finally I was like, this is crazy. Like, well, how did you me. feel when they would send that to you? I mean, I, I felt bad. Like felt I felt bad. guilty for, well, one, I was annoyed. And then I felt guilty for feeling annoyed. And then I would resolve said guilt by responding. Mm, and take so and much was, of your time. I, so much so many time. people can relate to that. I can relate to that. I used to do that too. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like I, begrudgingly helping because you feel yeah. bad, but it's also you're annoyed, but you don't want to be unhelpful. Right. Yeah. And then I'm annoyed at myself. <laughs> so it's <laughs> right. a terrible cycle. So I built a, a thing where like, and because I used to do more of these caregiver calls and I wouldn't charge as much and I would just had it on my website and people could sign up for a call with me. Now I charge $150 for an hour long call. It's not on my website and I only offer it if someone emails me and they're like, hey, Rachel, can I talk to you on the phone? And I say, yep, here's this thing. And if I don't hear back, I'm like, okay, I guess they just wanted free information and they called it a day. Or they schedule a call oh, and they pick a time to chat with me and we talk on the phone. For the people who like are friends of friends or people I know, I'll if they reach out to me, I usually try to give them an answer, enough of an answer. And then I send them to all my free resources. And I'm like, look, I've got two books. I have a blog. I have a YouTube <laughs> channel. I have a friggin' podcast. Like, I've got a Facebook page, I've got an Instagram, like I've got all of the resources that you could possibly want. And if you need a specific resource from me, like you really have a specific question for me, then you can set up a phone call and it's 150 bucks. Right. And typically people go, okay, thanks. And they like run about their merry way with my free my free because, you've are, because you've done the work already to give them all yes. of that information. And by asking you for your time, what they're saying is, Despite all of the free information you've given me, yeah. can you now do the work of showing yes. me what it is and where it is for my specific, which is, by the way, consulting. That's what consulting is. And yes. that's what people charge for it. Oh, my God. I had somebody message me on Facebook and say to me, and this was a couple of years ago, it was honestly like the most annoying message I've ever gotten. He was like, oh, hey, Rachel, uh, we're thinking about moving my grandmother into a uh, senior living. Do you have any tips on that? <laughs> And I said, yeah, bro, I've got a book called When Someone You Know is Living in a Dementia Care Community, and it's full of tips. It's actually like 200 pages of tips. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, he's like, do you just, just the question, do you have any tips on that? Right. Are you freaking kidding me? Yeah, I've got a what? Come on, bro. Do some, do any homework on me. Like, Anything. Google my name. Yeah. Literally. Google me. I don't want to sound like a dick, but Google me. <laughs> and like, if you don't want to buy my book for sixteen ninety five, fine, rent it. Go to the library <laughs> and rent it. I don't know. Go like, read my blog or go watch my on, YouTube videos. Bro. Yeah. yeah. Like, do you have any tips? Crazy. That's so. Yeah, silly. I got a tip. Yeah, I got a tip. Invest in. <laughs> invest any time into doing homework before. Right. <laughs> asking me that or 
pay me 150 bucks or pay you need me. me to do the work to show you where it is. Right. Yeah. If you need me to do the work, yeah, pay me. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, what consulting me. is. Well, so what's, <laughs> so the other thing that's really funny about you and that is a surprise. I mean, since we said since the beginning, you're like this young, vivacious woman in dementia care. It just yeah. it does, does not compute generally, but you also are this sharp, witty, opinionated woman who does improv, which I so love that you do improv. And you have really infused that yourself into all Mm -hmm. of your content. And I was surprised to hear from you that at one point, not too long ago, even you, Rachel, (laughs) felt like you kind of had to please everybody with your message or you were like a little worried that people wouldn't like something you had to say, which I think anyone listening to you right now would be like, her? She doesn't care. She'll say whatever she wants, but (laughs) she doesn't give a shit. I'm excited excited to be on a podcast where I can, I can curse too. That's awesome, right? Yeah. I mean, what were you, what were you worried would happen if somebody <laughs> didn't like something? Or what was this, the fear? I think, honestly, everybody to some degree, unless you're like a total sociopath, I think everybody is at some in some way still that 14-year-old version of themselves where like you're trying to figure out who you are and you're so damn worried about what people are going to think or say. And I think part of me is still that like 14-year-old girl who was – going home and listening to hard rock music and then going into school wearing a limited to preppy t-shirt and just trying figuring out like what does this girl look like what do i what who who do i want to be like what what am i and so i think it comes back to that where you're just like well what if people don't like what i have to say and the answer is who cares but it's really hard to convince yourself of that and i guess i was afraid what if i piss people off and then they don't want to pay me, (laughs) you know, but as it turns out, people love my message and the people, and, and the thing about it is that some people hate it. And that's actually been great because the people who love it, love it even more because other people don't love it. Hmm. Like I've had CEOs of large senior living companies say to me, you are so funny and real. (laughs) And I've had people be like, oh my God, I was cracking up watching your YouTube channel. Like you just sit in your car and do these videos and it's so funny and you're just so yourself. Like, yeah, I've had people be like, I can't believe that you're just so comfortable being yourself. And it's like, yeah, well, it's because people, (laughs) and like part of it is like, because people have told me that it's okay to be me and that they've come forward and been like, oh, I love how you present this information. Because I've had people straight up tell me on LinkedIn or by email or other methods that I'm, I shouldn't be presenting dementia care this way, that I'm really? unprofessional or I'm uh, rude or yeah, stuff like that. Or that like, it's not okay. Yeah, no, I absolutely have had a couple. I've, I have the kind of personality that like attracts bullies who don't like confidence because I've pretty much Sure. Like I say 14-year-old me, but 14-year-old me wasn't so different from 31-year-old me. Uh I just, at least on the outside, people like have always perceived me as being confident. So sometimes I attract bullies who don't 
like confidence and they're like, I need to take this bitch down 12 notches. I mm-hmm. need to take her down. <laughs> mm-hmm. So occasionally I get people who want to take me out. And yeah, so I've had people be like, I had a guy mansplain professionalism to me back when I was like 22. So I was like trying to get this job and I ended up getting my Brookdale job and I'd interviewed for a totally different job before that. And I was not in my field or anything. And I had this guy call me to tell me I didn't get the job, which is like, okay. And he said, can I give you some advice? And I said, I mean, I guess so. I'm literally at another job right now. So, and he was like, (laughs) he's like, I really think you want to be more professional. He said, you were just, you just weren't very professional when you came in here. You really want to be more buttoned up and blah, blah, blah. And I li- I was like, you know, I'm literally at another job right now, right? Like somebody actually appreciated my personality and hired me, right? And I'm like, this guy wanted to call me and tell me just how that guy. to be. I know, but that's what I'm talking like, Yeah. If people, if you I- listen to those people. Who are you going to be if you listen to those people? Oh my God. I think if I, I, I can't imagine who I'd be right now if I was like, oh, you're right. I need to like wear more corduroy. I don't know what professional <laughs> <I'd> like. <laughs> <Corduroy>. <laughs> How do you wear? Yeah, get those corduroys out, Rachel. <laughs> what is, what am I trying to say? A cardigan? I, I know. I don't know. Clearly, I don't yeah. know. An ill fitting like, blazer. That's what I thought. I need a blazer. Was. Yeah, like I had one blazer. I'm like, yeah, no, I've had people who were really were like, I was like, what does professional look like? It must look like a blazer. That's what being a woman in business looks like. It looks like a a pantsuit. And at some point in my career, I was like, I like, I was like 24, and I was like, I need to get a lot of pantsuits. How um, will people know that I'm a professional woman unless I'm wearing a pantsuit? Even though from the outside, I bet people didn't see that transition. You yeah. yourself said it was like nerve wracking at first, and yet you still did it, and then did it more and more. Like you've embraced it more and more over the years. What did you do to? make those changes, even if it's just in your mind, to be able to start embracing it more and more? Well, one, I think, goes back to your whole story of saying the word badass in your messaging and having somebody come up and be like, "Mm, I don't like that. You're not supposed to say that. And having that, just that word, like become a part of your branding. And I was like, oh, I guess I, yeah, okay, yeah. That does make sense. I went and got the phrase embracing their reality trademarked, and that has to do with the way I teach dementia care. Because I realized no one was teaching dementia care the way that I was teaching it. And bonus, not everybody liked it, which actually made it more exciting for people. And I connected on a deeper level with people who really liked my messaging, which honestly is most people. Right. And to be able to kind of break through the bullshit of what is always taught in dementia care, like, oh, don't, you can't lie. You have to just, you you have to validate and distract and redirect them. Like you can't live in their world because blah, blah, blah. Like for me to come in and say, no, get rid of that. Like get rid of the word lying. Don't worry about it. Live in their world. Do what's true for them. Go as far as you have to into their world to be able to make it make sense. That is, 
is, believe it or not, totally revolutionary Wow! in dementia care. And once I realized that, I was like, oh my God, I've been saying this phrase for years. No one else is saying it. I need to trademark it. Yeah, I don't know. It's just taken a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And practice. It almost practice. Like, yeah. Yeah. And getting comfortable with the fact that what's the worst thing that's going to happen if somebody doesn't like my messaging? Well, well, they probably weren't a good fit to work with me anyway, even if that was on the table, if that was even on the table. Yeah. You know? Well, so on the flip side of that, as you've said, you because you really put yourself out there, people are are magnetically attracted to you. Like how yeah. I how has that affected the way that people like hire you and your clients interact with you, if yeah. at all? People are a lot of times people will find me and they'll come to me and say, oh, I was watching your YouTube video or I was reading your book and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd love to bring you in or or if I reached out to somebody and then they kind of go, but before I get them on the phone, they've already done my home, done their homework and looked at my material and usually have some pretty strong but positive opinions about what I'm presenting. And they're just like, this was really different. I had a woman email me last week out of the blue. And she said, Rachel, I was listening to your, I'm taking care of my mom. I've been in the senior living business for 10 years, but now my mom has dementia. And I was listening to different podcasts and I wasn't really connecting with anything. And she said, I just stumbled upon your podcast. I binged the entire thing while I was on this like cross country road trip. I listened to everything and I love what you're saying. I love your message. Like it, I wasn't connecting with anything anybody else was saying. And and this just like really cut through the BS. <laughs> wow. I was like, cool. What a great compliment. Somebody just being like, hey, I found your stuff. I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and isn't it so much sweeter when somebody loves your stuff and it's really you as opposed yeah. to you're wearing the ill-fitting pantsuit and they're like, corduroy. you look very, yeah, the, the corduroy pantsuit. And they're like, I liked how professional you were. Like, that doesn't feel good at all. No. It's <laughs> you're so like, boring. really? This thing is ugly. Snooze right. fast. But when you're I mean, you, yeah. when you're ballsy enough to be you, and then someone says, oh, my God, I love everything you're saying. It's like, talk about a fulfilling way to run your business. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what's interesting about all these stories of you building your business? You said at one point, there's not really, I don't really have any competition. and and that's the goal, by the way, for all of us, no competition. But I think part of the reason you don't have competition is because you were willing to have people throughout the years tell you, no, don't do that. No, that's mm-hmm. not a thing. No, you can't. That's not how this works. And you were like, I think it's going to be. <laughs> I think I'm going to yeah. make it work. And that's how you create something that has no competition. You really have to push your way into a place. I think a lot of people get scared by, quote, experts or professionals in a field. Mm -hmm. And I encounter a lot of people in this, too, because I'm pushing this idea of packaged services, laid products. People go, not in my field. It's like, maybe exactly in your field. (laughs) You know what I mean? If you think not in my field, maybe that's exactly what you need to do. Yeah, because nobody else is doing it. So like the people who would at first glance, be identified as like competition for me. Names like Tipa Snow, David Troxel, people who are consultants um, who work with senior living companies. That's not really 
what I do. But the big names in my industry have patented programs that they sell to senior living companies who then use those, which that's that's great. Like that works for them. And they do the kind of um, train the trainer models, but that's just not what I do. And so when companies ask me like, well, how are you different from these big names? I say, well, when you work with me, you work with me directly. You're going to have me on the phone with you. I have this whole training platform. Nobody else has that training platform. I'll be there. I'm going to help you build a program that belongs to you. Like you don't just buy dementia by day. Like there's no dementia by day overall program that you purchase that you then own. And so really nobody else does that. I have a video where I sit in my car and I say, hey, everybody, I know your secret. You put everybody in your staff in front of a Tipa Snow DVD and you call it a day. Like, that's it. You show your staff one DVD and that's it for training. And I'm not knocking like everything these other consultants have done. Like they've built empires teaching their methods and it's awesome. And you call her out. She's a big name. She's one of your biggest... Competitor. She's a big name. Yeah. And you call yeah, her a big and name. So, That's good for you. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And then <laughs> I like had it on my Facebook page. And then I got a notification like Tipa Snows followed this page. And I was like, <gasps> oh, shit. Oh, no. And I'm thinking like, I definitely want them to know who I am. I want everybody to know who I am. But I, I never want to come off as disrespectful. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like people have spent their lives building things. And I'm where I am partially because people have come before me and and worked in dementia care. So I never want to come off as disrespectful. And I was like, oh, shit. And I was like, oh, God. But then I got a a comment on my YouTube video of it. And they said, we agree (laughs) with you. Like, meaning like, we agree that we shouldn't just show that like community shouldn't just show one DVD and call it a day. And I was like, just thought that was so funny. I was like, well, I was pretty sure they all knew who I was, but now they definitely know. And because somebody probably was like, yo, you're getting like called out on this dementia by day. Like Rachel Wonderland's like probably what I mean. So they said, reach out or like, let us know if you want to talk. So I left them my email address. They teach very specific methods of dementia care. That's not how I teach dementia care. It's just a totally different animal. It's fine. Like we can all coexist. I never want to come off as like being disrespectful, but I do want to come off as like, hey, I have a different way of presenting this material and I think it's better (laughs) than what's been presented before. Yeah. And it's not disrespectful to say, hey, I know that's how you do it. And by all means, go ahead. I just think there's a different way. I got, I got a new way. And, uh, you know, that's me. But yeah, no, I've absolutely had people be like, I don't like it. You know? (laughs) Well, so we are in. late 2020. I mean, you've only been in business a few years. It's pretty yeah, amazing. How yeah, far actually, when I think come. about it. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. really soon. I mean, that's why I'm um, so, so excited to have you on here um, and to be interviewing you because, because you have made such great leaps in your business, the way that you um, present yourself, the way that you sell it, the way that you package your services, the way that you charge and you continue to uh, ascend that the pay scale mm-hmm. and, and how you do it. Obviously, you're also quickly learning that as you go up the ladder of how much you make and all of that, you have to make changes in how you spend your time. And I could totally relate to some of your earlier stories because you've got a very can-do attitude. I can do it myself. I'm also like that. I'm like, I can do yeah. all of this myself. I'm going to learn how to do this and then I'm going to do it, um, which can get you really far. And in fact, I think it's kind of an 
it's like a pretty important skill for people in the beginning of their entrepreneurial journey because there's so many things to figure out in your business. And yet at a certain point, you got to stop that. And I know you started changing your mind pretty recently about going Mm -hmm. from doing everything to doing to looking for other experts and hiring other people, what what had you change your mind and what do you think now that you didn't think before? I guess I just saw the value of bringing in other people and I know the value of my time and my energy. So like when I was kind of first thinking about hiring people, I was like, well, uh, I could do it. And then I thought, wait a minute, Like just because, yeah, technically like I could be working nonstop constantly every single day, does that mean I should be doing that? No. And I need to be using my brain for the thing that needs me, which is the actual dementia consulting, not like scheduling social media posts or like doing marketing campaigns, which is what I'm working on now finding somebody to handle like my my marketing mm-hmm. because yeah like there's no <laughs> i i don't need to be i'm good at it but i could find somebody who might be better at it and especially i could find somebody else to do it who's not me cuz i could be spend, i could be making more money for my business doing what i'm actually supposed to be doing and not worrying about like scheduling a mailchimp email <laughs> Right. Well, and also getting the like doing the things that only you can do that yes. bring in additional clients. I mean, your clients are worth tens of thousands of dollars. So right. every moment you're spending doing something somebody else could do, if you could be spending that doing things that would get you another 10, 20, 30, $60,000 client, you should yeah. be doing that. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, what, what, who, who were the first people you started to? outsource to? So I started finding little projects to outsource and going, hey, this isn't so bad. This isn't so scary. And it's brought me to a place where I now know that I need a committed part-time employee to at least part-time to be doing my social media and then somebody else to be doing my marketing and planning and development and stuff like that. And really to be taking calls with clients before I do. I'd really like somebody to be handling the sales part of the job, which I'm good at, right? the car sales experience, which I'm really good at, but I don't want to do anymore. And it's so time consuming and it's emotionally draining and I can't freaking do it anymore. It's got to go. So I, yeah. but it's I one of the hardest it to somebody else. Yeah. That's one of the hardest things to outsource. Like you really got to train that yeah. person to really yeah. tap into who you are because ultimately yes. you're the easiest person to sell it because they're buying you. Right. Yeah. I'm yeah. But I need like a gatekeeper and someone right. like hiring like a, a sale, like someone who like has qualifier. been in senior living. Yeah. Like someone yeah. who's been in senior living who knows the world, yeah. but then who also has that sales experience and can, can help, can help me. And then once that person is a good client can then maybe talk to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's very yeah. exciting. That's huge. Well, and so that's also a complete shift in thinking about how you spend money too. And you and I have I've joked with you about this over the year (laughs) because I'm always pushing you. I mean, I'm almost being like, 
humorous about it sometimes when I'm like, don't do that, Rachel, buy someone to do that. And I know joining my program Leap was one of the biggest investments you made up till then. Maybe the biggest. Not one of. By far the biggest. There's no one of involved. Okay. Gary, like what made you bet so big on yourself? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's very scary. Um. I was like, well, <laughs> I've already gotten, I already got stuff from the book. I've already gotten so much from the group, the badass, your brand boot camp. I was like, so now, I mean, in truth, when I got that email from you about the leap group, I got the email and I was like, oh shit, it doesn't matter how much this cost does it. I'm probably going to do this. And I was like, yeah, like I just kind of knew immediately. I was like, yeah, I'm probably and so I was kind of trying to like, honestly, almost talk myself out of it for a little bit there. I was like, oh, that's a lot of money. I don't know. But the part of me was always like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Oh, all right. <laughs> you know, like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. That's awesome. So I think I always yeah. knew well, I was going to do it. How did you but, get over yeah. yourself? That's amazing, I though. Just that's did. a huge leap for you. I just made the decision that I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to do it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be good. And I, I don't know, like after after a whole year of kind of experimenting with that, paying for different things and seeing that the outcome almost always was better than I expected, I was like, okay, so, and I knew at that point that I was like, there's clearly a gap here. Like, I know I can do more. I'm just not 100% sure what and where and how. So if I've already gotten this much guidance from boot camp, well, then maybe it could be even more from like an intense, a small intensive program. Yeah. And also I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a PIA fan. Also I'm a PIA fan. Like my husband was like, thanks. <laughs> my husband was like, okay, I feel like you talk about this person a lot. Like what's the deal? <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh, so I'm, I'm honored that you took that big leap with me, Rachel. Scary. (laughs) Yeah. No, I know it's scary. And I think it shows a level of commitment to your own leaping in your own business because it's these kinds of outlays of investment in yourself that kind of, you make a commitment to yourself. Like, I'm going to take this business to the next level. Like if I'm going to spend this much money, I'm going to be making that much money. I'm not looking to do this to like inch my way forward. I mean, that's where the whole, the word leap first came to me with this idea of like, let's just leap to the next level. And as opposed to like taking the staircase. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I knew I was like, I think also just, yeah, developing the confidence in myself to go like, oh, well, when I invest time, energy, money, it pretty much always works out. And so I was telling Dave, my husband at the time, I was like, oh, I think I'm going to do this. I grew up with Pia, it's expensive, blah, blah, blah. Like I wasn't really telling people about it because I was, especially like my parents because they'd probably be like, whoa, my mom especially is cautious. But Dave was like, well, you got a lot out of the last one, right? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, if you think it's a good investment, it's probably a good investment. And I was like, yeah. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) There we go. So he's he, people who believe in me, right? Yeah. Like going like, yeah, it's, yeah. Well, that well, makes sense. Can I position it a different way? Because you've, you said, well, I, I usually get more than I expected out of things. I don't yeah. think you're really, you're getting more than you expect. I think you're making sure you get more. I think right. it's yeah. all about how you show up. Like, 
you bring a sort of tenacity to every step of this process. How could you not squeeze tons of value out of whatever you do? I mean, that's I think that's how any learning environment program book anything that you take. It's the person reading. You know, there's some, I don't even want to say some ancient philosopher, whoever said this, they were like, you can't really teach somebody. People teach themselves. People have Uh to learn themselves. You can't really force somebody to learn something or do something that they don't want to do. So in the end, it's all about how you show up and what you take from something and how you implement it. And you and I both know when we look around the group, like certain people show up and do it all the time. And those are the people who are making, you know, big strides in their business. And it's obvious. And that's kind of an interesting thing about working with people for a whole year as you start to see people's patterns and then you see the results from them and you're like, oh yeah, like that's how that works. Yeah. It's, it's hard, especially in my personal life with like friends. I've definitely kind of left people behind over the years. Some people who just can't do it. Like they're chock full of excuses and stuff that they create for themselves that stands in their way from doing anything or growing. And I know for me, like I've grown a lot, both obviously in the business and then just in my, as a person in the last five years or so. And so it's, it's, it's hard, honestly, to watch people not do that. Uh, that's a big problem for me. When you watch people, and you're like, oh, God, like, I just I so badly want to pull you up this ladder with me. But like, at some point, you realize like, oh, I can't like, you're just you're going to stay wherever you want to stay on that ladder. Like, I'm going to reach out for you. And you can take my hand. But if you don't, if you don't climb, like, we're, you can't go anywhere. Like, the, they have to be their own champion. And unfortunately, a lot of people aren't their own champion. They're their own worst enemy. (laughs) Absolutely. They keep themselves stuck. Yeah. And I I think part of that is how much guts you have to try things that are new and to do that growth. But I think it starts small and then that you take bigger and bigger steps. I mean, I've I've watched that with you. Like, okay, I took this big step and then I had the experience. And now the next step is a little bit bigger than that. It's like, it's always Mm going to be, you kind of adjust to those things. Um, And actually, now that I look back on especially being so intimate with our with our group of people covid <laughs> which well which is is not gone <laughs> but but there was a, a time <laughs> there was a time this year where I was getting ready to like ditch my apartment in the middle of the night and like go into the mountains or something. <laughs> I'm going to the woods. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, there's going to be hell in Brooklyn. And I'm yeah, well, not, yeah, you're in Brooklyn. Gonna, yeah. We got to get the hell out of here. And all of us, like you were no exception. Tell me just a little bit what, what happened to your clients in March and what was going through your head then? Oh, I was like, I saw it coming and I was like, oh, cause I mean, obviously it really impacted senior living and still is impacting senior yeah. senior living, senior housing. So I had a six month client that I'd just done my lead product for and I was right ready to sign them. And they came back and they're like, Rachel, we're so sorry. Like we can't do this right now. And I was like, oh shit. And then I had another six month client that I'd already been working with. And they're like, oh, we're sorry, Rachel. Like <laughs> we got to put this on hold. And I was like, oh shit. So I still had like right. a little bit of some projects and stuff. It, 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 right. it, it was, That's a lot of money to 
six month project. Yeah. A lot of money. And I was like, oh crap. And there were definitely a couple weeks there where I was like, well, it's over. <laughs> it's all over. <laughs> I'm going to go back to working in a community again. I'll be a dementia care director. And blah. there was part of me that was doing that, like feeling mm-hmm. sorry, almost like feeling sorry for myself, like kind of coming up with these insane contingency plans. Mm-hmm. And what did you do? What actions did you actually take? Where did you focus your time for the next couple of months? What were you doing? Yeah. I built that teachable class. Yes, I started building did. my training program. Yes, yeah, because I was going to anyway. And then when everything shut down in March, I was like, well, I guess this is really what I'm doing. Like, I was like going to space it out. I was going to work on it in little pieces. And I was like, well, I guess I'm really doing this every day for a month. And so pretty much every day for like, I don't know, a month and a half, I just built this yeah. program. And then within like 30 to 40 days, both clients came back and they were like, all right, we're good. We're Mm -hmm. ready to start. So I signed a six-month client mid-pandemic, like mid-pandemic, which I think it also says a lot about their confidence Mm -hmm. in me to be like, yeah, we know this is freaking crazy, but we'd like to get you now like locked in. And I was like, yeah, sounds great. So I mean, within a month, like I say, like mid end March, I was like, oh shit. And then, like, the end of April, I was like, okay, that'll be fine. <laughs> All it took was one client <laughs> to change. It really how did. You felt. Well, for them to come, when I was like, well, I was just like, it's over. Like, they're typically when a client's like, oh, we're going to put it on pause for a while. I'm like, right. they're never coming back. So that when that one came back and signed with me, and then the next one that put me on pause came back like the next week or two and we're like, hey, we're back. I was like, okay. So I think everyone sees we're going to be dealing with it, with COVID for a while, but we can't put our projects on hold right. be, forever be because for like, we're, yeah. this is just yeah. going to be what it is. Like we yeah. have to work through it. And then you sold that yeah. And then I sold that program right. like right after it was done to a company and then included it. So this people who signed on for six months, I was like, hey, I just finished building this and you guys are already in my six month program. So guess what? You get, you get access to it. And you delighted it. your existing clients. Yeah. And they're yeah, like, cool. Like, All right. Great. That's yeah, amazing. Cool. Like, yeah. And then I sold, um, I got, yeah. Like August was my best, my best month ever, ever, ever. Wow. So that's amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, so let's back up for a second because March was scary for everyone. mm -hmm. I think everyone went through the, the everything's gone to shit. My life is going to completely change. Everything is gone. Yeah. I think everyone had that. It's over. So you took this unexpected, scary opening in your schedule and built something that then made you tens of thousands of dollars in the coming months. That's right. Yeah. Well, so having that experience of losing clients and then having them come back and having taken this time when you could have felt like I got to go get a job and instead reinvesting that time into a course and actually seeing in such a short amount of time, what, April, May, June, July, I mean, this is four months, five Mm -hmm. months we're talking about. You have your best month yet. How do you think that's affected you as a business owner? And what your capability, like I was saying before about adjusting to the different steps, I think 
what I watched was that you were forced to take a much larger leap than you had been planning to take in those in that short amount of time. And yeah. and and look where you got. Uh, it is absolutely made me uh, stronger. I'm trying to think of like the other word for it, like confident, I guess, and being like, this stuff was crazy for a while there. And I was not sure what was going to happen. But I came through and I came through with flying colors. You know, I was like, all right, well, this sucks. So I guess I'll pivot a little bit and work on this thing that I was going to work on anyway, but now really <laughs> have nothing else to do. So worked on that course and then sold that course. And I'm also next month, I'm really hoping like I'm in talks with another large company who's planning on purchasing it. So like, yeah. Oh, and then I did my audiobook. I like recorded my audiobook too. So I've right. actually done a lot. Yeah. No, I've done a lot. Yeah. I've done more more in this year than I think I really anticipated that I would do. But every quarter I had finished the goals that I kind of would like put for myself annually. And I was like, well, I guess I gotta come up with something else too. I guess I gotta come up with more things. Yeah, no, you have busted through, which, by the way, it's nice to even see all of these goals that you've written down and to keep track of them yes. so you can yes, see, yes. oh, shit, I'm doing a lot more. Maybe my goals can be even bigger than they are because I'm actually a lot more capable of doing stuff than I realize. Right, right. And also getting that kind of confidence. I mean, I'm just excited to see how it affects what you do in the coming years because it's given you like knowledge of what you're, what's possible for you in a, in a short amount of time. I'm just excited to see what you, how you implement that moving forward. What, what do you do? Like what, what do you see? You've done so much this year. Plus you got married in quarantine, no less. Yes. April 1st. Congratulations, um, yeah. saying publicly. Yep. Obviously, you published your second book. You mm -hmm. are, are about to, your audio book will be out by the time this is live, yeah. which everyone who everyone it. should buy it, particularly if you know anyone with dementia. <laughs> dementia uh, <laughs> you buy it anyway, but you buy it anyway. You know with dementia. Um, she should definitely go write her review. She can't say that, but I can. I bet some people are listening and going like, well, yeah, if I had Rachel's enthusiasm and tenacity, I would be able to have a successful business too. But that is all a matter of your own mindset, guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, congratulations on all your success so far, Rachel. Thank you. I'm honored to have been a part of it. I'm honored to have been able to witness it. <laughs> You're an inspiration of what really is possible in people's businesses. And for anyone listening, like I said, usually you don't do podcasts talking about your business. Usually you're talking about dementia, dementia care, obviously, yeah. but uh, anybody who's listening, like <laughs> tons of people who, people, they know people with dementia. So yeah. in on that front, obviously you are a wealth of knowledge and anyone who's listening is probably like, yeah, if I know someone with dementia, I want them to have Rachel's information. So what yeah. can you tell us like resources you have available for them or, or even if they happen to know somebody in a dementia care facility, like where yeah. they can find them? What's the best thing to do first? Yeah. Google me, baby. I have a YouTube channel. I've got a podcast. I've got my blog. You can find all of that from my yeah. website. Frankly, if you Google my name, you'll you'll find me. My books are anywhere books are sold. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, yada, yada. And on my website. And if you buy it from me directly, I'll write you a little note. <laughs> I'll, I'll sign <laughs> it and write you a little note. Yeah. But yeah, you should definitely me. start with checking out a couple of her YouTube 
uh, videos because my car chats, her car (laughs) chats somehow she ended up doing all of her YouTube videos in the car. And it's pretty amazing (laughs) because the lighting is the best. Yeah. I started doing it. The lighting was good. And then people were like, Oh, you're the girl who does those car videos. And I was like, okay, well that's what it is now. It's so that's the brand. It's so what it is. That's the kind of thing you can't manufacture. You just has to be natural that you just started doing that. And then it's the girl in the car videos. Yeah. Talking about dementia. Like, so random but really really good Uh and memorable really good memorable you know why exactly because you were being yourself all the way and that always works yeah exactly i love it thanks so much for joining me rachel thank you so much for having me i can't wait to be power walking and listening to (laughs) this hi to future rachel (laughs) hello future rachel oh it's getting meta it's time time to wrap it up (laughs) (laughs) thanks rachel talk to you soon Clearly, Rachel is a wealth of knowledge and resources on the topic of dementia. If you'd like more information, go to rachelwonderland.com to grab her books and tons of free resources. The link will be in the show notes at piasilva.com backslash podcast. Back in 2019, Rachel was still trading hours for dollars, trying to do everything in her business herself, and still harbored some of that fear that saying anything too aggressive or too opinionated will scare away paying clients. But she stepped up, and she embraced all of the badass branding and business concepts that I preach in Leap, owning her voice and her opinions and trusting herself because she really is an expert at what she does. She put processes and boundaries in place so she didn't have to feel icky about not giving away her time and her work for free, which not only saved her time, but helped her really step into the role of being the boss of her business, where she's now looking for ways to outsource as much as she can so she can concentrate on doing what she does best. Now she's selling lead products, six-month contracts, and online training programs for tens of thousands of dollars that require almost none of her time. And she had her best month ever in August, just a few months after she thought COVID was going to shut her business down completely. Now she's set up to scale her business however she wants, with the confidence and clarity she needs to do it. And this is what's possible for you too. After leading dozens of people through a few different higher level programs over the last few years, I decided to design Leap based on what I observed the expert entrepreneurs that I work with actually need to achieve their business and life goals. A roadmap to badass your brand, business, finances, and authority to achieve that freedom lifestyle you crave. A small but mighty group of fellow entrepreneurs with similar goals and commitment to building such a badass business to provide accountability and support and ongoing direct support and consulting from me for an entire year. If you really want to show your business who's boss by stepping up as the leader and badass authority in your space, go to badassyourbusiness.com backslash leap and sign up to get early notification when the application process opens this November. I'm looking for 10 very special entrepreneurs to mentor to success in 2021. And it starts with a full day strategy kickoff in December so we can hit the ground running in January. This is for you if you aren't going to let anything stop you from having the exact business and life that you want. 
If you want someone who's going to tell you how it is, not tell you what you want to hear, and who is going to give you the step-by-step roadmap to get you where you want to go and support you along the way. I've worked with enough people to know who will make it to the finish line and who is likely to bail on themselves. Last year, I received over 200 applications and I only offered calls to 18 people because I'm not one to have lots of enrollment calls or try to convince people to join my program. If you aren't dying to work with me, you're not a fit. But if you are, I will make sure you are actually set up to succeed before I even offer you a spot. So go to badassyourbusiness.com backslash leap and sign up to get early access to the application because when those 10 spots are gone, the doors will be closed for at least another six to 12 months. You wanna know what's really possible in your business? Whatever you decide, you are going to make happen. And that's what showing your business who's boss is all about. 